Companies mentioned herein are for illustrative purposes only, not intended as solicitation of the purchase of such securities, and do not constitute any investment advice or recommendation. Hello, my name is Ulrich Fugman, and I'm joined by my business partner, Edward Lees, through 22 years. And together, we run BNP Paribas Asset Management's Environmental Strategies Group. We're going to introduce you to a series of executives all at the top of their field for companies introducing exciting environmental solutions into the marketplace. You'll learn about their personal motivations, a bit about their companies as well, and we hope you find this informative. So with that in mind, let's meet our guest. And we are hosting Greenlight Biosciences today, so we're going to hear some very interesting things about an agri-tech company. And uh, joining us to talk about this in more detail is Dr. Andre Zerur, the CEO and co-founder. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. So it would be great if you could start off by just telling us a little bit about your technology and the kind of markets that it impacts. Look, we have to grow a lot of food, is the bottom line. We have seven and a half billion people living in the planet, soon to be eight billion people, rapidly growing, uh, demanding more and better foods. A simple fact is that we lose up to 40% of the foods that we produce to all kinds of things, pathogens, pests, fungi, insects. And we need to protect those uh, food supplies from, from those pests and so on that would otherwise deplete them. And the way in which we have done that historically is by using chemicals chemical pesticides, chemical fertilizers, which tend to work pretty well in, in terms of protecting the crop, but have significant unintended side effects on the environment, on biodiversity, and over the long term on the food production systems themselves. So what Greenlight is trying to do is to bring a brand new generation of methods of controlling pests, of protecting food, of promoting food security, but in a way that is not only sustainable and clean, but actually good for the environment in a way that not only are we stopping pests from eating the food, but actually preserving the biodiversity and the land so that the land can continue to be productive for generations to come. But this is not an easy problem, right? To be able to target something that specifically requires exquisite biology. You can't do it with simple chemistries because chemistries are non-specific. If you want to kill a bad insect, an insect that would otherwise destroy your crop with a chemical, what will happen is, yes, you will stop that insect, but you will also kill all the other insects that live on a field, which include things like pollinators, which, of course, are fundamental for food supply. So coming up with biology that is precise enough to only kill the organism that you're trying to stop but be completely harmless to everything else is incredibly difficult. So what we did is we chose a class of molecule called RNA, ribonucleic acid. Two years ago, the only people who knew about RNA were nerds like me, right? <laughs> or people who still remembered high school <laughs> biology. Most of us never heard of RNA. Uh, but, you know, the RNA that we use in fields to protect our food, to promote biodiversity, to promote sustainability, is the same molecule that essentially saved our society with mRNA vaccines. Everybody knows about mRNA vaccines. Well, we've been using RNA to protect our fields far longer than anybody has been using it uh, to promote vaccines. And so the idea of RNA, RNA is, to put it very simply, is the messenger of life, is what lives inside every living organism on the planet and carries messages inside the living organism. Those messages are what promote biological processes like metabolism, like respiration. And so by using RNA, we can stop some of those fundamental processes 
on the pests themselves. And because it operates at this molecular level, we can tailor those RNAs to be incredibly precise and just stop the pests that we're interested in stopping and nothing else. So to answer your question, we bring a brand new generation of RNA products to promote food security, to protect our crops, and to at the same time respect the biodiversity, protect pollinators, and promote a healthier way of growing food. And arguably, we'll need these more and more as time goes on. Uh, am I right to say that some of these, uh, particularly maybe on the, the fungi side, uh, are uh, set to perhaps become worse with global warming? Well, we're seeing that already. So what we're seeing is, I mean, number one, fungi account for about 40% of all the food that is wasted every year. Hundreds of millions of metric tons of food get thrown away because they get infected by fungal pathogens. Now, it's kind of hard to get your head around a number like 100 million metric tons. What does that even mean? How many elephants is that, right? Well, the simple way to think about it is if you could save 100 million metric tons of food, that's enough food to feed a billion people for a year. So talk about solving global warming, right? If we can systematically go and target all these fungal pathogens, we could have a significant effect on global hunger, right? So the problem with traditional methods of controlling fungi is that fungi become resistant to the traditional chemical fungicides very, very quickly. Fungi reproduce very quickly and therefore are able to overcome those chemical fungicides. Now, global warming is exacerbating that in two ways. Number one, the more humid and hotter, the faster those fungi reproduce, the faster we see resistance. But number two and most important is the winters are not as cold as they used to be. So individual colonies of fungi that become resistant used to die over the winter. And so we were get, getting kind of a reset button every winter, right? So we had some resistance, but you know, they're all gonna be dead because it's so cold. So the next year, we had a chance of those fungicides working again. Well, not anymore. With warmer winters, many of those individual colonies that became resistant are actually surviving until the next spring. And so more and more, we're seeing rapidly arising resistance to all these chemical fungicides. The beauty of RNA is it basically gives us an unlimited number of new targets to go and address pests for which we are running out of tools. Fusarium is a perfect example. It's a fungal pathogen of global importance, billions of dollars in damage, but we're running out of chemical fungicides that are effective against Fusarium. So RNA gives us the opportunity not only to target it in a cleaner and more sustainable way, but also to overcome the resistance that has arisen to those chemical solutions. One of the things that we noticed through uh, our ongoing experience with COVID was I think the speed at which some of these RNA uh, 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 vaccines were developed. And you describe a world in which uh, we're getting new pathogens popping up. Uh, what is the advantage of your process for being able to react quickly? So RNA is inherently fast. Um, the way in which RNA works, as I, as I mentioned initially, is we go after messages that are abundant in these living organisms. And we can either interfere with one of those messages, that's what we do with the RNA that we use to control insects and fungi. We interfere with a fundamental life process of those pests. And because there are multiple of those vital processes in every living organism, we have a huge arsenal of weapons that we can use against them. And therefore, the speed by which we can choose a new way of preventing 
uh, pass from destroying our crop, of promoting food safety and food security, is very quick. Now, the big innovation that we had to come up with was not necessarily the speed by, we, we, by which we could come up with new, with new tools, was really the scale and the cost. Because developing an RNA for a vaccine is one thing, and you can virtually char charge anything you want for it. But if you're going to develop a scalable global solution for food security, it needs to be affordable. And not only to farmers in Europe and in the U.S., it has to be affordable to every farmer in the planet. It would be great to hear uh, some thoughts about the respective price point of your product versus a conventional chemical solution, say for the Colorado potato beetle. What enables you to achieve that price point in your manufacturing facilities, for example, and talk a little bit about how, uh, yeah, how operationally you're, uh, you're, you're set up from a manufacturing standpoint. Well, thank you for that question, because that is actually the most important question. Scientists have known for a while, for decades, that RNA could be used very effectively to control pests. That's not the secret, right? As, as we talked at the beginning, RNA being the messenger of life um, is incredibly powerful. And so if you have RNA solutions, you can really control a number of these biological processes. That was never the problem. The problem was that when we started, RNA was thousands of dollars per gram. Thousands of dollars per gram. Because it was made chemically. Now, we use anywhere between 5 and 10 grams per acre of crop. So if RNA was thousands of dollars per gram, our insecticide would have to be priced at tens of thousands of dollars per acre. And that was never going to work. In order to make this work, we had to take something that was thousands of dollars per gram and make it for less than a buck. We had to take four or five orders of magnitude out of the cost of a very elegant biological solution. By the way, when we told people that that's what we wanted to do, they told us we were crazy. And not just any people, Nobel laureates, two of them, told us that what we were trying to do was, in fact, impossible. That there was no way that we would be able to make RNA that was as effective, as clean, as specific as what they were making chemically for less than a dollar per gram. And, of course, we're in the business of proving the impossible, right? And so we went and did it. It wasn't overnight. It took eight years of hard, fundamental, rigorous scientific research. But what that enabled us to do, now put the equation back, right? If you're producing RNA at less than a dollar per gram and you're using five grams per acre, you can have a solution that costs five to ten dollars per acre that you can actually price at parity with the chemical pesticides, which are in the twenty to fifty dollars an acre. And so all of a sudden you have something that is as effective as a chemical, as inexpensive as a chemical, that can be produced at the same scale as these chemical solutions, but is going to be safe, effective, and specific. And of course, even then, you go to a farmer and say, I have a solution that is clean, cheap, effective, and scalable. And they say, show me, right? They're not going to take your word for it. And so here we go. And we're running field trials in you know, three continents with a multitude of different crops uh, across hundreds of different uh, fields with multiple collaborators. Uh, and you have to do that because, again, you know, people will will trust the science if you show them, if you're transparent, if you're rigorous in your analysis. Could you talk maybe a little bit about the role that automation plays in your facilities? And, and I believe I'm right in saying that you have the world's largest RNA manufacturing facility. In terms of automation, what enabled us to have a product, a first product, was this scientific breakthrough of low cost and large scale. 
that gave rise to one product. But as I said before, what we really needed was a platform, an open source stage where people could develop solutions for any pathogen, for any pest. That required significant investment in not only automation, but machine learning and, and data management. So the way in which we discover new solutions, wh whether they are for uh, food protection or animal health or human health, is we start with data. We start looking at fundamental biological processes and understanding, the, and understanding how we can modify those processes to obtain the effect that we want. And so we start by looking at the genome of organisms, of insects, fungal pathogens, viruses, bacteria, anything that we're trying to stop. And the machine learning algorithms that we have built basically give us a list of targets. The computer tells us, if you want to stop a Colorado potato beetle or a Fusarium fungi, here are a hundred ways to do so that should be feasible based on the biology of the organism. But that's all the computer does, right? It just tells you what's possible. And then the onus is on you to actually make those RNA triggers and test them. So in order to do that, we had to create automated synthesis tools that would be able to make hundreds of RNA sequences at a time, and automated screening tools that will be able to test those RNA tools against their intended target. We have put that together now, and we, that has given us the ability to go from identification of a pathogen in a field, in anywhere in the world, to creation of enough compound to test in a greenhouse or a field in 90 days. It's a true breakthrough because we don't know when new pathogens are going to arrive and where we're going to see resistance to a pest of all. And we're going to have to come up with solutions very, very quickly and test those solutions in large scale. And so being able to go from ID to field testing in 90 days is unheard of. Just for reference, if we were a chemical company developing chemical solutions, that process would take maybe four to five years and costing the order of tens of millions of dollars for each product. We can do this with hundreds of targets in a very short period of time. So it'd be really interesting to hear your perspectives on, you know, what does the future look like for green light biosciences, but also specifically around RNA solutions. If we look 5, 10, 15, 20 years out in the future, what would be your guess? RNA has truly risen up as a new class of biological solution, as a new class of product. My projection is that we will see products that are based on RNA, that are RNA-based products, just about every major category of human activity. We already have several products approved for vaccines in human health. Uh, my guess is we will continue to see new vaccines developed to protect against infectious diseases, but also RNA-based vaccines to protect against things like cancer. We will also see RNA-based therapeutics. There's already a couple of those approved that are small interfering RNAs. My guess is over the next 10 years, we'll see a number of messenger RNA therapeutics that address chronic disorders as well as genetic disorders. In my opinion, RNA will be as important a category in human health as protein therapeutics or gene therapies. Uh, it will be one of the major categories of uh, human health products over the next decade. I believe that our technology will enable also RNA to be broadly used in animal health. 
which of course has the implication of veterinary health, protecting cattle, protecting household pests and so on, but also protecting our food supply and protecting ourselves while protecting the food supply. And let me explain. It is very likely that we will continue to see pandemics arise at an accelerated rate. Most of those pandemics, we are unsure where COVID came from, but most likely it came from an animal. And that close proximity between humans and livestock is continuing to increase and at an even accelerated rate. That means more chickens and more pigs and more cows. It also means that population continues to grow. Those animals and those people are going to be more closely together. And the likelihood that we will see another pandemic come from avian flu or from swine flu or some other disease that we haven't even dreamed of is very, very high. So vaccinating those animals against things like influenza will become really important. Today, simply not possible. We would have to come up with vaccines that are a penny to vaccinate the 30 billion chickens that are grown and consumed every year in the world. Well, RNA may provide us an avenue to do so. And I think our technology could be instrumental in enabling that. So we're going to see broad solutions in, in veterinary medicine as well as in protecting livestock. And then finally, at least what we envision, is a world where we can take every chemical solution that is used in the growth of food today and figure out a way to replace it with RNA. Now what's really important here is that RNA will be the first of many other biological tools. And eventually, we will be able to replace all chemicals in our food supply. We will have to come up with biological fertilizers, with biological plant stimulants. And, and they need to be, just like RNA is, highly specific and sustainable. So what Greenlight will do is really those three things. We will create a platform, just like we've created a platform for agricultural crop protection. We will create a platform that enables us to rapidly develop solutions for human health and for animal health. The human health one is well on its way. We have a COVID vaccine booster candidate that we're hoping to start a clinical trial very soon in Africa. COVID is not over. And when you look at Africa, that still has a vaccination rate lower than 10% because of lack of availability of effective vaccines and vaccine hesitancy. So developing a vaccine that is tested in Africa, that was specifically designed for Africa, we believe will be a very important tool in finally overcoming COVID. The last three mutations that we have seen that have taken over the world rapidly, Omicron, A2, and A5, were all first identified in Africa. And until we have a very high rate of vaccination in Africa, it is likely that we will continue to see that. So we need to enable the same type of speed, throughput, and scale that we have already achieved in food protection for human health and eventually for veterinary health. That was very educational. And I think there are a lot of important messages in that today. And for those of you who are coming and joining us today and listening, you know, I think uh, we think that you've had the opportunity to hear from one of the most interesting and impactful companies engaged in uh, real meaningful environmental solution development that's in the market today uh, across biodiversity, which is really notoriously difficult, I think, to address in an honest way. Uh, and Greenlight Biosciences does, uh, but also food security, which is incredibly topical. Uh, as well as uh, human health, our, our health. So with all of that in mind, 
Dr. Zurer, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.